everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Desert Shift Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Beardsley, along with your fellow host, Tyler Cass. We have a lot to talk about today. Obviously, the draft, a bunch of trades, a little bit about the NHL awards. It's a whole lot of stuff. Tyler, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> it's actually um, this morning because it's 1.05 a.m. But I'm doing good. I'm awake and I'm ready to talk about everything that's happened in the last few days because there's been so much stuff. Yeah, here we gotta get straight into this because as you mentioned, Taylor is one over there. It's ten over here. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of trailblaze through this and let's start with the draft. Let's jump straight into it. The 2023 draft just happened. Just finished up this morning actually it took place this morning uh like nine my my time 12 your time um but tyler i mean what what did you think of the draft Let, let's start with that what did you think of the draft uh unexpected i guess a lot of a lot of stuff went down that i don't think anybody expected um especially that first round man um i if if somebody had a single mock draft, even like 90% correct, I'd be surprised because <laughs> these just were all over the place. Well, I have I have my top 10 mock draft actually right up here. And I can tell you that I got number one and I got number four correct. And that's about it. Yeah. I think um, I got the one that I know that got right was was Ryan Backer to the Canadians. I, I knew they were doing that all along. But besides that, and like Bedard and Will Smith, I don't think I got anything else right. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm looking up and down what I did. And like most of the guys I chose to go high dropped. And most of the guys they chose to go low rose. So let's go over the top 10 real quick. And then we'll go over the whole, like, we'll just say our winners and losers of the whole draft, maybe some standouts. So at number one was Connor Bedard to the Blackhawks. Duh. Everyone expected that. And then came the unexpected. That I was actually at the Arizona Coyotes draft party. And even at this pick, everyone was like, well, what the heck just happened? Because number two wasn't Adam Fantelli. It was Leo Carlson to the Anaheim Ducks. Adam Fantelli went to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Will Smith went fourth to the San Jose Sharks. David Reinbacker fifth to the Montreal Canadiens. Sixth, and this is where everyone was like, also like, what the heck? Dmitry Simashev, sixth overall to the Coyotes. Number seven, Matevi Mitchkov finally went to the Philadelphia Flyers. Number eight, Ryan Leonard went to the Washington Capitals. Number nine, Nate Danielson went to the Detroit Red Wings. And number 10, Devor Dvorsky went to the Blues. I mean, Tyler, your, your thoughts on the top 10? Um. I like the more that I, I look at a lot of the team's picks, the more that they, they make sense to me. I know a lot of people don't like the Carlson go to the Ducks, 
the more I look at it, the more I, I, I kind of understand it because Carlos is probably the safest option. Uh, he'll probably be a great, great two-way center. Um, a guy that's going to put up points, but is also going to be really responsible defensively. And I think that's what they were looking for because they want a guy that, you know, can do the dirty work for Zegers and for, you know, Terry and all of this skilled offensive players they have. So I, I kind of get where they went with that one. Yeah, uh, I don't agree with it still. I think Adam Fantelli should have been two overall. I mean, I think we both predicted – let's talk about Mitch Scott for a second. We both predicted him to – drop i mean at points of time he was two or three on people's lists and now he went all the way to seven i had him going at six so i was one pick away from him um but he went to seven and like there were rumors going around basically once he got selected that there were some issues with him uh and that you know philly was the only team that he kind of wanted to go to it sounded like talk about Mitch Goff to me Tyler yeah I, I don't know it kind of seems like he told teams um that you know he didn't want to play for them and just kind of botched their draft interviews on purpose just because he wanted to go to Philly I don't know I think I don't super agree with that but I guess in his mindset I don't know for some reason he really wanted to be a flyer that's what it seemed like and um, I think that the fires are going to be really good once the rebuild's over. Um, they they got like Mitch Cobb and Cutter Gautier, um, kind of leading that rebuild over there. And once those guys really develop, they're going to be scary playing together. Um, but uh, I think that you know Briere was totally fine um, taking him. I don't think he has any concerns because I think that Mitch Cobb did everything he possibly could to show the Flyers that, you know, he's a, a good player, first of all, and also a really, you know, a good person, which I think a lot of other teams, you know, didn't really see because I, I think he purposely bought some of his other draft interviews. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that rumor came to be true. Um, let's talk about the overall first round. Who were some steals that you thought, you know, slipped a little bit lower than expected? I know you're gonna like this one, but uh, Quentin Musty, man, he's he's a really good player. I, um, I'm surprised he fell that far. I thought he was gonna go in the top twenty or top twenty-five, and he fell to start to twenty-six. So I, I think he's gonna be a really really good player. I, I love that pick there. Yeah, I thought uh, Zach Benson was one that fell a little bit low. I had him going at seven. He went at thirteen. Uh, to the Sabres. Sabres are extremely stacked now. And the other one, um, which everyone is talking about as well, Gabriel Perot uh, going 23 to the Rangers. I did not have him that low at all. The fact that he went to 23 to the Rangers is good, but scary because the Rangers like to screw up their prospects. So um, yeah, uh, I wonder what team he'll be on in, in four years, you know, just uh, hopefully – I feel feel bad for him, you know. I mean, yeah. the, the last time the Rangers, like, have had a, a prospect, like, actually turn out like they're supposed to, uh, it's, been, it's been a while. You know, I guess you could say Philip Heedle, but I don't know. Besides that, there hasn't been a ton. Okay, Andre Miller? 
Yeah, but besides those two, I mean, most of yeah. their first round picks are not even with them anymore. So, uh, the other one that I really like is Mikhail Gliev, uh, falling to 31st by the Avs. Um, just keeps restocking the Avs D, and now their D covered is fuller than ever. It's impressive. But obviously, the one that I was going to choose was Quinn Musty because you know that's that's a great steal by yours truly, San Jose Sharks. Um, but let's go now. Overall, looking the whole overall draft, who are some winners and losers, Tyler, of the draft, and who are some other steals that you want to mention? Well, I mean, I think. Chicago's got to be the the winner just because well they obviously got Bedard but getting Oliver Moore who I love he's going to be really good dude is a, you know one of the he might be the fastest player in the draft so just based on Chicago's first round alone I think that they won the draft but looking at it overall I think the Sharks had a great draft might be a little um biased but I think the Islanders for what picks they had had got some great value in the later rounds um i i know people have been saying nashville had a overrated draft but i actually really like what they did because i think trot's strategy of taking guys you know who might be a little risky but have super super high upside i think you're guaranteed to hit on one or two of those guys and i think you know the guys that they hit on are going to turn out to be superstars and then um I think Minnesota also did a good job of, you know, capitalizing on their value on their the later guys in the draft. Yeah, uh, for me, a big winner are the Sharks. I might sound biased here, but the fact that they got Will Smith, they got Musty, they got Luca Cagnoni out at 123rd all the way in the fourth round when he was expected to go in the second round. Such a steal uh, from Mike Greer. I'm super surprised Caglione didn't go farther. I liked a couple of their other picks too. Uh, obviously, Chicago, Oliver Moore, such a great steal. And, I mean, Connor Bedard. Uh, um, uh, I mean, it's tough not to put Philly up there too because Mitchkoff fell all the way that that low. You know, but that one I'm kind of iffy on. Um, Columbus's draft was pretty decent as well. And, yeah, I think the big three for me, San Jose, Columbus, and Chicago, those three really hit it out of the park, in my opinion, and really picked up some good prospects. Although Colorado as well, for what uh, how many draft picks they had originally, you know, I really like what they did as well. Who are some losers in your mind, Tyler? Um, it's kind of, I, I guess I got to put the Ducks there just because I feel like they didn't completely capitalize on all the picks they had, even the picks that they had in the second round. I, I thought that they reached on a bunch of guys and didn't really fill needs that they, they should have been drafting for. Um, but, the, and you know, all the teams that didn't really have a ton of picks, I mean, it's kind of hard to put them up there in the winners. But that's not totally their fault, you know. Teams like Tampa and like Vegas, I mean, they didn't have a ton of picks. Um, even I didn't think the Devils, I don't think they had the greatest draft um, ever. Um, the same with Ottawa. I mean, Ottawa barely had any picks, but I didn't think they necessarily 
that capitalized on the value of what the picks they had. So I, I think the biggest loser just based on the picks they had would be Anaheim because especially their second rounders, I really didn't like a ton of the picks that they made in the second round. Yeah, Anaheim, obviously, I mean, the whole Fantelli debacle, I mean, clearly the choice of Fantelli and they went with Carlson. It's not the worst thing, but I I think that's a blunder. And like you said, I didn't like a couple of their second round picks. I thought Pittsburgh's first overall pick and Braden Jagger, I don't really care for him. Um, I think they could have gone with someone like Oliver Moore or Gabriel Perot at that pick. Um, I think Montreal takes an L here. I mean, they were drafting by position, but the fact is they could have gotten some assets by trading down and selecting uh, Ryan Backer further down because he was not going to go to anyone else, uh, most likely. Um, and also, Arizona is really risky with their first overall picks. It makes sense. But again, these guys were completely off the board. Uh, Shimonshev and Boot. Uh, I do love Boot's name. It's incredible. The whole bar was chanting Boot when he got drafted, which was one of the most incredible Coyotes moments in the season. Uh, it could be risky, but it also could be a huge payoff. We'll see when they come over in around two-ish years. But I would say overall, I think Anaheim had a pretty bad draft, and I didn't like Pittsburgh's that, that much as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand the the logic for Arizona and Montreal on the fact that they could have probably traded down and gotten assets and still gotten their players. But I, I think Ryan Becker is going to be really good. And I think he's going to be the perfect, perfect D partner for Lane Hudson. Watching Ryan Becker's um, just play in general, I think him and Lane Hudson are going to be one of the best D pairs in the league. Um, I think Lane Hudson is a guy that's going to be putting up consistent 60-point seasons from the blue line. And I think Ryan Becker is a guy who's going to be a shutdown defenseman and also be putting up 40 seasons. So I love that pick. And the Coyotes, man, Simishev, like, has a monster. Just watching him play. If, if he, if the Coyotes know what they're doing, and I trust their scouting and development teams, and they could tap into all of his potential, he's going, him and Maverick Lamaru are going to be a force on that blue line. Those two guys are huge. And I, yeah, I really like. They're tall, oh, yeah. man. It's, been, it's incredible. And I, I love the Daniel Boot pick just because, I, like you said, I think they could have traded and gotten assets and still gotten him. But he's big, and he is. It reminds he reminds me of Landis Cog, and I think they're trying to do what Colorado did and have you know two really skilled guys and you know McKinnon and Ranton and the Coyotes have that with you know Keller, Cooley, Geeky, Gunther, all these really skilled smaller forwards. But they need that grinder guy, the guy that can do the dirty work. And I think Daniel Boot, if they if he can reach his potential, I think he's going to be super similar to Landis Cog, and the Coyotes are going to have a super similar um, first line to what Colorado has built the last few years yeah i mean the huge issue here like going into the draft was the coyotes did need size and they also need d and they addressed those concerns they were just wild picks and like even the all the fans at the bar knew those were wild picks but they seem like the picks that the coyotes need and 
also, I really like their 38th overall pick, Michael Harabal, uh, through consensus, I think, number one overall goaltender in the draft. I really want the Sharks to try to get him, but fell to the Coyotes. Coyotes snatched him up, and that's a good one for the Coyotes um, in case Vimelka or Ingram leave by the time that Harabo is ready, which, I mean, I think Vimelka will be gone by that time. But, yeah, I mean, any other thoughts on the draft? Any other steals you want to mention? Um, I, I think this is one of those, the, the drafts where it's just so deep that we're going to be seeing, you know, players. And I think there's – I don't see, like, any players in the first round that – are going to be like super duper busts. I mean, we'll always have the ones that don't completely make it in the league, but even going into the the later rounds, I think we're going to see a lot of, of people from this draft make it into the league. And I think we're going to, this level, this draft is going to be on the level of 2015 where we see all these superstars coming, especially later in the draft. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Luca Cagnoni went 123rd, which is insane. <laughs> Shark steal. Probably the best Sharks draft in a very long time. Um, also worth mentioning, Florin Akai went to the Canadians. He's going to join Arbor. So that is extremely cool. Let's go over NHL awards before we go into the main meet, the stuff that's going to take us the most amount of time, most likely, which is the NHL trades, of absurd amount of trades that have happened in the past couple of weeks. Um I'll quickly go go off about these uh, these uh, awards because I don't think any of them weren't predictable. Car McDavid wins the Ted Lindsay. Anze Kopitar wins the Lady Bing. Maddie Beniers wins Calder. Patrice Bergeron wins the Frank Selkie. Uh, Chris Letang wins the Bill Masterson. Linus Olmark, Vesna Trophy. Mikhail Backlund, the King Clancy. Jim Montgomery, the Jack Adams. Eric Carlson, the Norris Trophy, Connor McDavid, the Hart Trophy, and Jim Neal won the Jim Gregory GM of the Year Award Trophy. Eight quick thoughts on that, Tyler. The the only thing that was really dumb is the one guy who didn't give McDavid a first place vote for Hart. Just don't understand. Give David Posternock the vote. Like, what the heck is wrong with you? Like, yeah, no argument. Yeah, that was dumb. Um, just a good week to be a Sharks fan. You know, yeah. it has. I don't think anyone's been able to say that for a while now. That's been a good week. Um, speaking of that, we got some trades to announce because. There was a whole flurry of trades that went down in the past two weeks, ever since we covered the Taylor Hall trade. Um, Let me just add to that real quick. Nick Foligno did sign an extension. We were both wrong, Tyler. A $4 million one-year extension. Nick Foligno is staying with the Blackhawks. He's going to be a line mate with Connor Bedard. Watch out, league. He he chose a... Just to take that back, I mean, I, I could res- I gotta respect him for that. No other team was gonna give him four million dollars. Yeah, that's insane. Um, so let's let's begin, man. Um, first off, gotta announce Maxime Comtois 
is also not signing a extension with the Ducks, which is actually interesting. 19 points through 64 games played. It's another very hyped uh, Anaheim Ducks prospect in the past couple of years that has not gotten re-signed by the Ducks, the everyone being Sam Steele a couple of years ago. Any thoughts on Maxime Comtois? Uh, no, I, I think it's, you know, similar to Steele. And I guess the Sonny Milano situation, I know Milano wasn't really Ducks prospect, but he was pretty hyped up. Um, I guess they, they don't really pan out in Anaheim and they move on. And Steele had a great year in Minnesota. Milano had a great year in Washington. So I, I think it's probably the best for Comtois' career. Moving on, Kevin Hayes finally got traded to the St. Louis Blues, 50% retained on his salary to the Blues for a six-round pick in 2024. Thoughts on the Hayes trade? Well, I, I really like this for Philly, obviously, just getting his contract off the books. I, I really don't get it for St. Louis. I mean, you're trying to get younger, first of all. Um, even with the salary retained, it's still not the – you know, you're not even um, – you still have to pay him, what is it, like three and a half million, something like that. Yeah. yeah I mean, I guess, yeah, I don't think Cage is the worst player ever. I mean, he'll probably get you 50 points, 25 goals, but he's not the player that the Blues needed at all. So I, 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 I think they're getting a solid player, but I just don't think it's the player they needed. This is one of those trades where I thought they made a trade just to make one. It wasn't really a smarter hockey trade. I, and I, I don't really like this for them because I don't think they need him at all. It's not the worst trade in the books, but again, like you mentioned, St. Louis needs to get younger, not older. And this is pretty much going the exact opposite way. It's nice that uh, all you have to get rid of is a six-round pick, and he's still a decent NHL player. For 3.5, it's not bad, but again, it's – the exact opposite way the Blues are trying to go. Next trade, the Colorado Avalanche traded Stanley Cup champion Alex Newhook to the Montreal Canadiens for picks number 31, number 37, and Gianni Fairbrother. That is that 37 overall uh, pick was a second round pick and the 31st obviously being the uh, first round pick that the Avs used um thoughts on the new hook trade uh yeah i i think he wanted more money than colorado was willing to give him especially because he was going to be their third line center now that they got johansson and i thought that they colorado did a great job with asset management because they turned this new hook into another player which we'll talk about in another trade but um i thought that they did they got really really good value back for him colorado and you know, I thought I think I saw a lot of people say Montreal overpaid for him. Um, maybe they did a little bit, but I I think that um, given the opportunity, Newhook's going to be a really really good player. I mean, he never really got the chance to to play with the the big guns in Colorado. You know, he was buried on the depth chart, especially his rookie year by McKinnon and then Kadri. Um, so you know, as a guy that was uh, a first former first round pick, I think he went. 15th or 16th something like that um so this guy is skilled i mean he won a stanley cup um so i think being able to play in that top six in, in colorado is going to be good for him and i think he could easily turn into a you know a 50 point guy for them i mean we've seen a lot of young kids go over the montreal like um like suzuki and uh doc, doc. yeah 
And um, why am I forgetting the kid's name from Dallas? Garyanov. Uh, yep. We've seen a lot of young kids go over to Montreal and they've thrived. So I think this will be kind of similar. But the fact that Montreal had to give up a first and a second to get him is insane. And the fact that what Colorado did with those picks just makes it even worse because what they did with the second row, the second pick, uh, especially just completes this trade for Colorado, in my opinion, and makes them the winners in this trade, in my opinion. I think New Hook will thrive in Montreal, and I think he'll be good, but a first and a second for New Hook on paper isn't the best thing right now, in my opinion. Yeah. Going on to the next trade, uh, New Jersey Devils trade Mackenzie Blackwood to the San Jose Sharks for a six-round pick. Your thoughts on the <laughs> Mackenzie Blackwood uh, trade? Yeah, I think this is kind of like his make-or-break year. I think the Sharks only give him a one-year contract um, because they do have a, a decent amount of goalies in the pipeline. I think if he has a, a solid or decent year, they give him a multi-year extension. But, you know, if he puts up these numbers that he did these last few years, then it's kind of just a one-and-done thing. We'll just let him go. Because we, we know that he has the potential to be a good goalie. He put up some solid stats, uh, especially on a bad Devils team back in, like, 2019. Um, once Hall left, they were pretty bad. I think uh, that was the year they got Hughes. He put up a 9-15 save percentage. But maybe it's the year Hughes' rookie year. But, I mean, he we, he's shown the potential to be a really, really good goalie. So I think the Sharks are going to try and get that out of him. And if they can't, this is kind of just a one-year thing, and he'll be out of it. Oh, oh man. How many people roasted me after the Sharks made this trade, including you, Tyler, including the famous Troy Matthews. Oh, I am not a fan of this trade. I know Sharks fans are – giddy for this trade because all they're giving up is a six-round pick but no one seems to understand the fact that there's a couple things here first off blackwood hasn't been good since 2020 it's been three four seasons since then and he's been atrocious and from now a pretty decent defensively minded new jersey devils team um and he's just also had a lot of, it seems like uh, attitude issues also in New Jersey. It just kind of seems like he was kind of being pushed away from that locker room. It's kind of becoming alienated away from the franchise, especially when they got Vanacek and called up Schmid. It just felt like there was a reason why they replaced him with Schmid and Vanacek. Besides the fact, obviously, he's been injured every season. Um, he also needs a new contract, which could be a whole lot of things because the Sharks are very interesting when they hand out extensions. So we'll see what they give him. Um, and secondly, or finally, I meant, finally, they have a solid NHL caliber goaltender in their system already. And that would be E2 McEnany, who they also re-signed to a one-year extension. He was in the Hurricanes deal, the uh, Burns deal. I thought he played decently in the NHL level in a select few games. I thought he played really well in the 
the AHL level as well until getting injured. Of course, he got injured, but Blackwood has also not played a full season since 2020. So there's no argument there. I saw people try to make that argument. I'm like, that's dumb. Um, and not to mention, the Sharks have a logjam at the goalie position. Obviously, Reimer is gone. And Ben Gaudreau re-entered the draft. And interestingly enough, did not get redrafted. Um, so what was the Aiden Hill trade for? Because in my honest opinion, I've said this since the Aiden Hill trade, they should have kept Hill and traded Reimer. But they seem so uncertain what they're doing on the goaltending position. And now Kakinen is in the trade rumors. And the Sharks didn't even draft a goaltender in the draft this year. So it's just confusing. It seems like they're betting on Blackwood to regain his 2020 form. But it's been three years removed from that. He's been atrocious every year. And he's been injured every year. So I think they should have just kept the six-round pick and drafted someone with it. Yeah, I mean, I think this is both like the make or break year for Blackwood and Kakinen because if Kakinen struggles again and does not put up a, a respectable season, I think the Sharks move on from him easily. Honestly, I, I think the Sharks could do something similar to what the Coyotes started doing last year, and that's just carry three goalies. Um, I mean, because you're you know you don't want to to overwork. Um, a lot of the young guys um, in either league, you know, you don't want them playing 50, 60 games in the AHL. And, you know, you don't want them, you know, facing a ton of shots in the NHL because you want them to develop. We also want them to, to, you know, get playing time. You don't want them sitting on the bench on in either league. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Sharks, you know, carry three goalies to give their prospects some decent playing time in the AHL and also um, have a guy like McAnemy play, you know, once or twice a week in the NHL without getting him overworked. Moving on, uh, big massive trade here between the Winnipeg Jets and the LA Kings. And this one's going to be interesting. I can't wait for Tyler's reaction. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois is finally on the move after weeks and weeks of missed endless rumors. He goes to LA, signs an eight-year contract, and that contract is worth $8.5 million AAV. He gets traded for Gabe Velarde, Alex Ayafalo, Rasmus Kupari, and a 2024 second-round pick. Your thoughts on the Dubois trade? Yeah, I really hated this trade at first. But the more I've let it sit in, I actually I, I really like this trade for both sides because um, I don't think that the Kings and Velarde were on the same page. I think Velarde wanted a long term contract with, you know, pretty big numbers. I think the Kings wanted to give him a three year, four year bridge deal, like four or five million. So I don't think they were ever going to reach a thing there. Um, I followed didn't have the greatest contract is like four million. And the Kings, you know, they had to move out somebody's contract. I think his was the easiest to pick to move. And then Kupari never really got a shot in, in L.A. Um, you know, I think he was a second-round pick. I mean, pretty fast guy, but was stuck on the fourth line. Great penalty killer, though. Um, so I think that all three of those guys will will thrive in Winnipeg. Um, I, I think Velarde probably played top line there. 
now that Dubois is gone. And I think that's him and Connor and um, whoever they, they put up there. I think they'll be really, really good together. Um, and then the Kings side of things, man, that team is stacked right now. Because the more that I think about it, their second line for the past two years is now their third line with Trevor Moore, Deneau, and Arvidsson. Now you get um, Fiala and Dubois on your second line, and you throw a guy like Kaliev on there who's just has a ridiculous shot, and that thing's scary. On top of your first line of Byfield, Kovatar, and Kempe, man, that's probably the best top nine in the league right there. And then you have so many prospects that you could throw on that bottom line with uh, Blake Lazat at center. I mean, you got uh, Lafriere, who had a great year at uh, where do you play? Harvard or Boston College, one of those. Um, you got Pinelli. You have uh, Samuel Fajimo. Uh, you got Darren Anderson Dolan. You have Alex Terracott. Even Carl Grenstrom. You have so many guys you can choose from. Throwing that. He's a defenseman. Uh, I thought you were talking about the blue line, too. No, I'm just talking about the forwards. They put on that fourth line. And, man, that's, that's a really, really good forward core right there. Um, and then the only thing that, you know, I'm a little worried about is the goaltending because they don't have a ton of cap space to fill up that goaltending. But I think the Kings are worried about scoring and that offense is going to put up a lot of goals. So the more I've thought about it, I think it's a win-win for both teams. Um, I know Dubois hasn't even surpassed 70 points in a season, but I think him and Fiala are going to do wonders together. He's only 25 also, and he's coming off a year where he – I think he put up 30 goals, maybe a little less than that, but I think he's going to be really good in for the Kings. And I think that – in a few years, that contract is going to look more – it's an overpay right now, but I think in a few years it'll look pretty reasonable. It's a very steep price to pay because I really do think Velarde is going to break out. I think Kupari with a change of scenery is going to be better, and I always thought was a decent NHLer. The second-round pick is also nice as well, as next year's draft is going to be stacked as well. Um, and the – Cap hit is a little bit steep. I think Dubois is one of the most overrated players in the NHL. I don't think he's all that great. I think he's more of a six million, maybe six point five million dollar player, not an eight point five million dollar player. And again, that's eating up at the cap space that the Kings have that they need to use for a goaltender because Phoenix Copley is not going to get them to a Stanley Cup. No offense to Phoenix Copley, he's a pretty decent goaltender but as you mentioned this makes the kings a lot more scarier perhaps one of the scariest teams out west if not the scariest team out west you mentioned the second line becoming the third line that second line now the third line is insanely good um i i again i don't really care for pierre-luc dubois i think he again he's overrated but i I like what the Kings mentality is here. I think they paid a little bit too steep of a price in the trade and the cap it, but overall in their ultimate goal, I think it's going to really help them. I think it makes the team a lot more stacked. I really, really do like this, this trade for Winnipeg though, as it refreshes the, the team and they're starting to kind of rebuild or retool um, 
and which is what they should have done a very long time ago. And I'm just interested to see who the Kings get as a goalie if they try to bring Corpusalo back, which I don't think they do. If they try to go for Hellebuck on a retained salary, but it's not a bad trade. It's not the worst trade in existence. I just think it's a little bit steep uh, on the LA side to pay. Yeah, I I think the price was a little bit steep, but I, you know I also think that um, Velarde and the Kings were on totally separate pages, so I think that kind of broke uh, the deal with him. Uh, coming back there so I think that no matter what he was going to be on his way out and then the IFL thing is just you have to throw a contract in there to make the cap space work so I think that with both of those things you kind of have to throw those guys in there um uh, the more that I think of it I think that it was kind of like I follow in a second to kind of get his contract out there and then they gave up Velarde and Kupari kind of for Dubois so I think that, you know, looking at it as a whole, it wasn't as much of as of an overpay as people originally thought it out to be. Yeah, I mean, at least Winnipeg didn't sell their players short. Like a couple of these next trades seem like they are. The Calgary Flames trade Tyler Toffoli to the New Jersey Devils for Igor Sharangovich and the 80th overall pick, which was a third round pick. Your thoughts on the Toffoli trade? He goes to the Devils, or already stacked forward group. I'll tell you Trey Matthews' opinions in a second. Yeah, I understand that the Devils uh, needed to to kind of get another guy up there in the the top six, but I I think like getting Toffoli. Is late, obviously, good pickup. They didn't have to give him a ton, but it, to me, it's only a one year thing. I doubt that they keep him long term. I doubt they're gonna have the cast base to be able to keep him long term. So, I think it's a good thing for for like a one year deal, um, especially because they didn't have to give him a ton. And I think it'll help out the top six, but I, I really don't see to fully stay more than a year there. And then, but on the flame side, it, you know, it was tough because they didn't have a ton of leverage. The, everyone knew to fully wanted out. And the thing that is kind of annoying, especially if I was a Flames fan, is he has his values at the highest right now coming off his best season. You know, I just, I don't like the return they got for him. I think Sharon Govich could be a solid, you know, 20, consistent 20 goal scorer. Um, he never really got a ton of playing time in the top six in New Jersey, and he still put up some goals. So I think Saren Govich could be good. I just didn't think they totally capitalized on that value. So I know a ton of people love this trade for New Jersey, but if they don't win the cup this year and Toffoli just walks, which I think will happen, then I mean, it's kind of just, you know, you wasted your one year Toffoli in your top six. Sharon Govich was re-signed to a two-year extension worth $3.1 million AAV later on. Um, I don't think it's the worst trade ever. I think everyone's blowing it out of proportion because everyone's calling it one of the worst trades in Calgary's history. I admit it is very bad to give up a good top six forward for Sharon Govich, who's a good middle six forward and a third round pick, especially when you traded a first round pick to go get fully a year ago. Um, But I don't think it's the end all be all for either team. I think it 
definitely adds to the Devils forward group, but I don't think Toffoli stays. There's no way they can fit him under the cap space unless there's some cap circumvention here um, or some toying around. Um, I think it's a good pickup for this year, but then you got to think about years afterwards and it depends who they drafted with that third or third round pick and what Sharon Govich will do in Calgary. Um, let me ask you this. Do you think Tom Fitzgerald is the GM of the year? I don't know. I think you got to look at what happens later in the season because, um, I mean, we know that their goalie situation, you know, is still kind of fluid there. He said he's comfortable with Vanacek and Schmid, but we've heard Hellebuck rumors there, you know, so I think that whole thing is still a little bit fluid. Um, and I mean, we also got to see what he does in season. I mean, you know, there's always the chance that the, the they struggle. Um, I mean, you, I still think they're going to be good, but I mean, the Metro is a, a tough division and I still think that they're going to be good and make the playoffs, but you know, you got to see what they do in season, especially at the deadline to make sure that they come out on top of the Metro. Yeah, Devils fans, including Trey Matthews, already proclaiming Tom Fitzgerald is next coming of Jesus. I mean, I think Danny Breer honestly has had the mo- the more impressive offseason in all the right reasons, even though he's not building a contender. He's right now trying to tear it down with the prices yeah. he's paid or he's gotten for tearing it down so far is impressive. And the fact that he managed to move the Kevin Hayes contract for something Thing for an asset is impressive amongst itself. Um, moving on to the next trade, the Tampa Bay Lightning trade Ross Colton to the Colorado Avalanche for a second round pick. Your thoughts on the Colton deal? I, I love this for Colorado so much. Man, I, I wish Ross Colton wasn't on Tampa for all those years because I, I love Ross Colton so much. The dude is a, a beast. I mean, you you know, you, you talk about um, Tampa being just an annoying team to play against. Ross Colton was one of those main reasons. I remember um, playing against him, and it was, it was his, uh, I think it was his rookie year, the 20, the year that they won against Montreal when he scored that game-winning goal. I remember that, that round against them in the Eastern Conference Finals. I couldn't stand him, man. He was just such a pest to play against. The, the dude is big, and he knows how to use his size, and he has a wicked shot. And Colorado's use of asset management turning Newhook into Colton, I think Newhook has the higher upside. I think he could turn – Newhook could obviously turn to a 25-30 goal scorer, you know, and really skilled player. But I think Colton is just – he's going to make Colorado, who's already an annoying team to play against, just even more of a pest and, and – I think Colorado easily won this trade, but what it's not Tampa's fault because they just didn't have the cap space to, to sign him. But now looking at Colorado, a team who didn't have a ton of center depth, you know, in the last few weeks, they've now have McKinnon, Johansson, and um, Ross Colton down the center. That's a pretty, pretty good uh, center depth for them. Yeah, I love this trade for Colorado. I mean, again, they've turned Alex Newhook into a first-round pick and Ross Colton. That's impressive. Colton, I think, is as good as Newhook right now, if not better. And I think he's going to be a nasty player to play against. I think this is a 
elite steal for for Colorado, and I love this trade. I think they're going to be a team to be reckoned with once again next season. Uh, next thing, Milan Lucic, the legend himself, is returning to the Boston Bruins uh, this offseason. Your thoughts, Tyler? Uh, if they throw Lucic on that fourth fourth line with uh, Trent Frederick, if he comes back, and then A.J. Greer, man, that's going to be the worst line in the league to play against. You're going to get killed every shift. But I don't know. I think I kind of uh, – I'm not going to say totally expected this one, but um, I thought that Lucic was going to go somewhere that he – one, he thought he had the chance to win, but uh, also where, you know, he has the, the opportunity to just bring out what he does best, and that's just – like protect his teammates, I guess. Um, I, I don't think Calgary used him to the best of their ability there because they kind of brought him in to, you know, be an offensive guy. I thought they tried him in the top six and it didn't really work out. And then when they kind of let him just be himself, become a leader on the ice and off the ice and kind of just be there to protect his teammates, then he became a really solid role player. So I think he's familiar with Boston. He knows Boston will let him do what he does best, and that's just be annoying on the ice, protect his teammates, be a leader over on the ice. And Boston needs to fill out their roster, and getting him for you know under a million is just the best possible thing for uh, for them. Yeah, uh, they're going to get him for under a million. I think that's good for a cap. Uh, very heavy on the cap Bruins team. And, you know, Lucic liked it there. He won the cup there, so there's a reason why he – Went back. Uh, next trade, Riley Smith going to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a third-round pick. The first of the Misfit line is gone for Vegas. Uh, and for the first time since the inaugural season, Riley Smith will not be playing for the Knights. Your thoughts, Tyler? I know you really like this trade for Pittsburgh, but I – I just really don't like this trade. I know Riley Smith had a solid season last year. Um, but to me, this just feels like something that the the old regime would do there. You know, they traded for a guy who's um, kind of coming out of his prime. He's still on a $5 million contract for the next two seasons. You know, Vegas didn't retain any salary, I don't think. And it just feels like, you know, something the opposite of what Pittsburgh needs to do. I don't think Riley Smith is a bad player, but I do think that, he's going to regress and that 5 million isn't going to be the greatest thing ever. And uh, if they could find out a way to move out Grandlin, then I'll say great. You know, they were basically replaced Grandlin with Riley Smith, which is great. But I think this basically removes Zucker from coming back. And I think Zucker and Riley Smith are super similar players. Um, they'll both probably get you 25 goals, 50 points. But I think that, uh, this is kind of a trade Pittsburgh didn't really need to do. Um, and if they did do it, then I think getting Riley Smith with some retained salary would have made this trade so much better. He had his second best career year last season with 56 points in 78 games. And then in the playoffs, 14 points in 22 games. I love this trade for Pittsburgh. I am not going to lie. Giving up a third round pick for Riley Smith 
if it was anything more like a first rounder, then yeah, that would be a little obsessive. Even a second, it's like, yeah, okay. But third for Riley Smith, I know he's making a lot of money, but he is much better than most of the players that Pittsburgh has acquired at his age, at his cap it in the past recent uh, years. Thank you, Ron Hextall. Um, and I think this is a slam dunk, dunk for Pittsburgh as they try to rebuild their depth because their depth has been absolutely atrocious. I think they're going to find a way to ship out some cap. I think Jeff Petrie and Mikel Granlin and Jeff Carter are the three that are right now on the trade block, and Kyle Dubas is trying his best to get rid of them. We heard some rumors around Petrie going to the Sharks maybe. Please don't do that. Um, but I think they're going to move out cap, and I think they're going to be fine with Riley Smith uh, making five mil because again, it's only for two more years. And again, he had a really good season last year and he's been having some really good se- seasons ever since he hit Vegas. Even before he hit Vegas, he had a fit, two 50 point seasons with one of Boston, one of Florida, and then a 40 point season with Boston as well. And then again, he's only had one season or, or sorry, two seasons uh, since uh joining the Vegas Knights uh, where he's had under 50 points. And those were in the two shortened seasons. Um, I think this is a great player and a great pickup for Pittsburgh. And the first move of Kyle Dubas's career in Pittsburgh is a slam dunk in my opinion. Um, Going on to your favorite team, because they made a deal. The New York Islanders trade Josh Bailey in a second round pick in 2026 to Chicago for the all-star himself. Incredible player, by the way. Future considerations. My favorite player. Your thoughts, Tyler, on the Josh Bailey trade? He was later bought out by Chicago, by the way. Yeah, I mean, everyone knew this was coming. Um, It sucks to see him go. Um, He'll be in the Isles Hall of Fame in uh, a few years. One of the best, most clutch um, playoff performers had a decent amount of overtime winners, had some really good runs with us. I'll miss him, but the past two years he turned into one of the worst players in the NHL. Um, the dude could barely keep up with anybody on the ice. Um, he had some of the worst passes I've ever seen in my life. He had some of the worst turnovers I've ever seen in my life. He was so bad that Chicago didn't even want him near anybody on the team, especially Connor Bittard. So they put him out. Um, and the biggest thing is this clears up $5 million. It gives the Islanders over $10 million in cap space now, which is the most important thing. And the 2026 second, I don't think, is the end of the world. I mean, it's three years away. And so I think both teams did good on this. Gets Chicago closer to the cap floor. They get a second. Gives the Islanders the cap space they need. I'm interested to see what Bailey does because he said at his end of the year uh, – exit interview he wants to play still he wants to be on the ice every day and i don't see any teams really willing to to give him that opportunity you know i my thing is his whole family's on long island and i know that he's said he's going to live here once he retires so i don't see him wanting to go play out west especially on multi multi-year deal so to me i don't think he's going to want to go play for like the ducks the coyotes the sharks out there you know, these are like the only teams I could think of that would maybe give him consistent playing time. So the only teams I could think of are like the Flyers, maybe, maybe like 
Buffalo or Ottawa. But, like, I just I can't see any team giving him, um, one, a multi-year deal, and two, even anything more than, like, a professional tryout. So I, I really don't know what happens. You know, I, I hope he could find his game again, but I wouldn't be surprised if he hangs him up. I mean, it's bad enough that the projected probably worst team in the league next year uh, bought him out. I can't really see any team out out uh, east really taking a flyer on him besides the Flyers and maybe, maybe Buffalo because they would look for a younger presence, but I really, really doubt that. Maybe, maybe Florida because they're struggling under the cap, but I I don't know. I think there are better targets out there. Good good trade for both ends. Chicago gets a second round pick. I mean, that's what they want. They want to build up their draft empire. And like you said, the Islanders get cap space. They can re-sign Berlamov. Um, and they can do some other stuff as well, most likely. Uh, so I think it's a good trade for both sides. I don't see a clear winner here. I think it's just a good deal for both sides. Um, moving on. And this is uh this is one that I really don't like. The Edmonton Oilers trade Kaylor Yamoto and Clem Coaston to Detroit for the incredible all-star himself, future considerations. Your thoughts on uh Yamoto and uh Coaston going to Detroit. Yeah, this was just a pure salary dump, and it sucks for the Oilers having to lose these two guys, especially Coston, who I thought was really good for them, but he was an RFA and probably wanted more than the Oilers were willing to give. And Yamamoto struggled. He was making over $3 million. Um, So this is just a pure salary dump, which the Oilers desperately needed to do because now they'll be able to give Bouchard what he wants and be able to make some signings in free agency. So um, I know people don't like the trade. I thought the Oilers gave up two good players, especially uh, a guy who fit in pretty well in Clem Costin. But I think it's something that they needed to do to be able to to uh, keep their future number one uh, defenseman in Bouchard long-term and also be able to sign guys to have depth and, you know, be a contender again this offseason. And then for Detroit, I mean, you get two guys who have some really big upside. Like I said, I think this is similar, like kind of the Kubel League thing last year. Um, Yamamoto was really, really good when he first came up, but he struggled recently. Same Similar thing with Kubel League. And um, I think he's a guy that could really benefit from just more playing time, consistent ice time. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to get consistent ice time, especially with the Oilers. Um, so I, I think that uh, both of these guys are going to really benefit playing in Detroit. Well, I think we live in a world where Kevin Hayes is getting you assets, but Kaylor Yamamoto is not. It's just insane. I think – the fact that they had to give up both Kosin and Yamoto and didn't even get a seventh-round pickback is insane because I genuinely think on the right team, Yamoto is going to become a decent middle six uh, forward. I think Detroit is the perfect place to send him because, I mean, Detroit has thrived with rebuilding younger players. Uh, and Kosin is also included in there. Well, don't forget Kosin. He could have been well on one of the Detroit lines. I get the fact that this is a cap space move. The Oilers are going to try to re-sign Bouchard and hopefully sign some other people. Um, maybe uh, get some other extensions going. Um, but again, I 
I just really like this trade for Detroit. They get two good players. And again, they don't have cap issues yet. And I think it's a fine deal. I think Yamamoto will, will fit in well there. Uh, going on to, I believe this is the most recent trade. Um, but Corey Perry is going to the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning trade a for a seventh round pick next year for Corey Perry, um, who is believed to be signing a one year, $4 million deal in Chicago. Your thoughts on Corey Perry going to Tampa. And by the way, does this neglect the power of Taylor Hall always getting the first overall pick and Corey Perry always going to the Stanley Cup final? I don't know. I think this might be Chicago's year right here, you know, back back to the finals. Um, but like like I said, I think um, in the past episode, the most important thing for Chicago is putting NHL-level players around Bedard. You don't want this guy um, playing on a, an NHL team, and Chicago is doing exactly what they need to do. I'm getting guys who can play in the NHL, who have been in the league for a long time, who can not only help Bedard, on and off the ice, but also protect him on the ice because you don't want him getting uh, bullied, you know, getting tossed around out there by bigger guys. You want guys to, that are able to protect him. Um, so I think getting fully new and now, especially Perry is so, so good for Chicago because, you know, if guys want to go out there and mess with Bedard, you know, lay big hits on him, then they're going to have to pay the price, which is something that they wouldn't have had to do like even last year with a lot of the players on Chicago, you know, you laid a big hit last year in Chicago, the biggest guy out there um, was probably like Seth Jones and like Jujar Kyra coming after you. Now you're going to have Foligno, you're going to have uh, Corey Perry, you know, two really tough guys going after you. And um, yeah, that's, I think putting an NHL level talent around Bedard is, is really important. And then Tampa didn't really have, any cap space so this is just something they had to do just yeah. even if it wasn't a ton they they have to just move out as much money as possible and um even yeah. uh perry perry got him a seventh round pick so you talked about costin and yamamoto not getting anything and Corey perry who's a he wasn't even under contract you know ufa rights got him a seven exactly edmonton i i still believe did not fleece that trade stevie y master plan again um going back to this trade again i like it for both sides obviously tampa you know even getting an asset out of an expiring contract like that's smart and also obviously they're trying to resign Killorn, so they're trying to move out as much cap as they can um meanwhile chicago as you mentioned like they had no one last year and now they're gonna have Falingo, they're gonna have perry and they're going to have some other players to protect Bedard, but not just Bedard, but players also like Lucas Reichel and eventually Oliver Moore, you know, protecting the young assets and also whatever goaltender they have in net, which I honestly cannot tell you who they sign, but I think they're going to sign more enforcers that are looking for an NHL job uh, coming up. I wouldn't be surprised if they take a look at someone like Zach Cassian or Patrick Nemeth, some of these washed up forwards that or def, or defensemen that are going to lay the body and they'll just sign them to $4 million deals to try against the cap floor. 
most likely one million, one year, uh, four million dollar contracts. But yeah, I mean, Chicago is looking like they could potentially win the uh, 2013-2010 Cup with this roster. I mean, man, they got MVP Taylor Hall. They got Nick Flingo. They have Corey Perry, who was a Rocket Richard Trophy winner. Snap the 2010 Cup all the way. Chicago Blackhawks once again, man, one of the legends, but good train. Um, let's hit up some signings and then we'll be done. We are almost there. A lot of stuff here, but let's start with Timo Meyer because let's knock that out of the way. Eight years, $8.8 million extension with the Devils. Um, your thoughts on Timo Meyer staying with the Devils? Devils better. Uh, they better pray that he he fits in a little bit better than he did when he first got there, or else this is gonna look like a really really rough extension. I mean, he, you know, he was solid when he got through the regular season, but he looked awful in the playoffs. And if you get a a guy, you know, we've seen this with a ton of guys with big contracts. If you get a guy who shows up in the regular season and disappears in the playoffs, those contracts start to look really really rough. So I'm gonna say is I don't think it's the money is terrible, especially if Meyer's going to be putting up 40 goals a year for them. But if he's not going to show up in the playoffs, then uh, this is not going to be a fun contract in a few years. If Meyer plays the way he did in San Jose, it's going to be a slam dunk. If he plays the way he did in New Jersey, it's going to be a flop. It's as simple as that. It's very long. It is very hefty. It's going to cost them to – rethink everything when they have to re-sign Luke Hughes and Dawson Mercer and Nico Dawes in a couple years, especially with re-signing Bratt to extension and having Heischer and Hughes to long-term extensions along with the Dougie Hamilton and Andre Pilat contracts, along with BTEC Vancheck being up soon. And eventually uh, Kira Schmidt is going to have to be re-signed as well. But right now it looks like a decent extension and just depends what he plays like. Uh, David Camp signs a four-year, $2.5 million extension. Your thoughts on the Camp extension of Toronto? This is a rough one for for Toronto. I don't like it. I think David Camp is a solid player for, like, at most, like, $1.5 million. That's the most I would give David Camp. Um, but, I mean, the reason I the, – the main reason I like this is they don't have a ton of cap space, Toronto. Um and I like, I mean that in terms of like long term, where they're gonna have to give Matthews a new contract. Same with Marner and Nylander. Um, and you know, you don't want a guy like David Camp just taking up money for the next four years when all of these guys are gonna need new contracts. And um, I don't even think they have a ton this offseason, and they still have a bunch of guys to bring back. So I think that you know, you easily could have taken that two point five million, and you know threw it onto uh, another contract they could have given like O'Reilly to bring him back or uh, Kerfoot to bring him back. So I just, I think they could have used the money um, smarter and just elsewhere. Uh, I don't think Camp is a terrible guy. I think he'll be a solid fourth line center for them, but do you really want to be paying, you know, your fourth line center who's putting up, you know, at most 10 goals a season, two and a half million dollars. I don't like the term, especially four years is quite a bit of time especially for a fourth line player. So I don't like the steal Brad tree living's first extension. Um, I'm not really a fan of 
Uh, Stars resign Evgeny Dadnov to a two-year extension worth $2.25 million per year. Your thoughts on the Dadnov extension? Yeah, somehow he got less than David Kampf. Uh, so I, I, I love this one for Dallas. I thought he fit in great there. And, you know, Dadnov's a guy who I think has the potential to get back to being a 20-goal scorer. I mean, he did it just a few seasons ago with Vegas. He put up 20 goals. So I, I think that finally that he has some consistency as staying in Dallas. There was so much uncertainty, uncertainty. He went from Ottawa to Vegas. You know, there was, he technically went to Anaheim for a few minutes. Um, then he shipped off to Montreal, then to Dallas. So, I mean, this guy's been all over the place. So I think finally having some stability, he'll be able to get his game back. And he was good for Dallas in the regular season. I thought he was fine for them in the playoffs. And I think they have the, the chance to get, you know, 15, 20 goals for barely over 2 million. You know, it's really, really good deal. I really like it. I thought Dadnov was really good with the stars when he came over. I think Dadnov's always been a good middle bottom line player. And I think this extension is great. It's only two years. It's not that expensive. And uh, he's able to produce. And I think he fits in well with Dallas. And it's nice to see him gain some stability you know, as you mentioned, has been all over the league until up till this point. And I think uh, he's a good NHL player. So uh, just two bits of notes. Uh, Patrick Hornquist officially retires at the age of 36. A lot of uh, issues, uh, injury issues leading up to this. I called it. I just want to say that. But thoughts on Hornquist uh, retiring? Yeah, I mean, it sucks because he was a really, really good player in Pittsburgh for a while, and he was solid for Florida when they got him. But, you know, just had way too many injuries and just probably the best for his long-term future is to, to stop now just so he's, you know, um, able to live a super long and healthy life. He scored the uh, Stanley Cup winning goal in 2017. Yeah off the back of Pekka Rene, his former goaltender as well, played with Nashville, Pittsburgh, and Florida. Um, yeah, I mean, he will be remembered as a Penguin, most likely, with his two Stanley Cups, and he was a good player. So I'm glad he, uh, he uh, you know, is able to retire. I did skip over the Ivan Barbashev extension, the five-year, $5 million extension uh, that Vegas was able to do after shipping out Riley Smith. Thoughts on the Barbashev extension? Yeah, I, I thought that they did a good job with their asset management there because, in my opinion, I'd rather have Barbashev than Riley Smith. And I think that's basically what they did. They just swapped him out. Um Barbashev proved in the, the playoffs that he had such great chemistry in Vegas. And I, I think Barbashev is the type of guy to be a player performer. And that's basically what they're paying him for. I don't think he'll put up a ton of points on the regular season at most, like 50, which is still a decent amount. But I think that they're going to see all that value in that contract in the playoffs because I, I really think he's going to be one of those guys that just shows up in the playoffs like we saw this year. And uh, I, I just like – uh, I like Barbashev as a player. I thought he fit in so well in Vegas. And I think that once we see the cap starting to go up again, that five mil is going to look really good in, but towards the end of that contract. Yeah, I think it's a super good contract. I mean, first off, both the player and the team really wanted to stay. Um, I mean, Vegas really, really wanted them to stay. And Barbashev 
played amazing in the playoffs. So I think it's a good deal. I think <clears throat> that they, since they shipped off Smith, I think it's a good deal. And then finally, two bits of Ducks news. First off, the Ducks hire Ryan Getzloff as part of their front office. Eight thoughts on Getzloff joining. No, I think that was expected. He's such a big part of the organization and just the community over there in Orange County. That uh, you know, he's a guy similar with the Marlowe. He's a guy who had a long, successful career. You want him around players um, both on and off the ice just so he could help mentor them and you know make sure these young players are get on the right track to start their career. Second thing that happened, the Ducks unrevealed their 30th anniversary jerseys. Um the eggplant returns for the first time in a very, very long time. Tyler, I mean, your thoughts on these jerseys. I like the colors, but it looks like uh, Donald Duck is there uh, in the center of the logo. So, well, I think they did a good job on the, the colors. I, I wish that they could have used that original Mighty Ducks logo. <laughs> I mean, the one that I just went and got right now, uh, my closet, this is the 25th anniversary jersey um, with the OG logo on it. This is kind of what I want them to go for. I do like the actual base of the jersey for the 30th anniversary jersey. I love the eggplant. I love that teal. I love the silver in it. But, I mean, this jersey right here, this logo is incredible. This original logo. The slant the diagonal slant on the bottom is awesome. And I actually really like the teal yokes, uh, shoulder yokes right here. Uh, I just really love the 25th anniversary jersey. I think this one's a bit of a letdown. I don't like the logo on this new one. It's way too cartoonish. It's Donald Duck. Yeah. I mean, Throwing homage to the Disney days. <laughs> that logo uh, was on a... I don't know if it was on a jersey, but it was definitely a side patch for a while, an alternate side patch. And you still see it all around Anaheim Ducks merch, but I don't think it works good on the face of a jersey. If they put this logo um, on the 25th anniversary jersey on that 30th anniversary jersey and put the teal uh, shoulder uh, colors on them, I think you would have had a great jersey. I just... I am so in love with this 25th anniversary jersey. I think it's the best jersey the Ducks have ever worn. Yeah. It's so nice. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll get to see that Ducks jersey, though, in uh, in Arizona, maybe. Uh, so we can also see the white Kachinas. What a jersey match-off that would be. Uh, since they are the first team the Coyotes will face in mullet this season. Um, and the, uh, you know, the uh, Arizona haters predicted last year in Arizona, which is not true, by the way. Um, but, yeah, schedule was also released. Not really anything interesting yet besides Sidney Crosby, Connor Bedard, first game of the year, pretty much. Um, mullet will be rocking again. And we'll see it closer to the start of the season than a month out, which will be nice. Um, but other than that, like, yeah, hopefully Tyler doesn't miss the Islanders and mullet this time. Yeah. 
Um, I'll I'll try and get back for for that game. It's during the uh, the spring or yes, no winter break. It's towards the end of the winter break, but uh, I I should be home for the most important game of the year, which is the which is the important news. So, uh, Islanders Kings on December 9th at UBS Arena. I thought you were going to say the Stadium Series game. No, Islanders Kings was an important game. I, I should be in New York for that. So, should be in Seattle. I should be in Seattle for the Winter Classic. Fingers crossed. Um, but hopefully, I'll also be in town for another very important game. Both uh, matches in December of the Sharks versus the Coyotes, a classic rivalry between my two favorite teams. But that is pretty much going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the Desert Shift podcast. Do you have anything else, Tyler? I know it's getting late over there. Uh, no, not really. I think we got now tomorrow free agency starts because it's June 30th for me. So, uh, yeah. Hopefully we get some some signings that actually happen on July first. Um, I just feel like that the the draft and free agency are so like close together that I don't know. I, I think that this might be kind of a slow free agency period, you know, especially with teams trying to figure out their their cap. That we might not see a ton of, of signings happen right away like we have in the past few years. I think we'll release a video probably a couple of days out from July first, if unless something crazy happens especially because i'm going to be incredibly busy covering some games and i'm going to a concert tomorrow so you know it should be a lot of fun and yeah yeah should be a lot of fun but anyway you can follow me on twitter chase beersley underscore also go check out my website i just redesigned it chasebeersley.com go check it out um you can follow tyler tyler cast underscore go check him out He's going to create some simp memes for Josh Bailey because he loves Josh Bailey. Uh, game one goes down. Um, yeah, that's pretty much going to do it. Make sure to check out all the recent episodes of the Desert Ship Podcast. And we thank you all for watching. And we'll see you all very soon. And I remember when we were driving, driving in your car. Speech about to feel like I was drunk. City lights lay out before us, and your arm built nice wrapped around my shoulder. And I, I had a feeling that I belong. I, I had a feeling I could be someone, be someone, be someone. Well, you got a fast car. Fast enough so we can fly away, still gotta make a decision. Leave tonight or live it die this way.